Salutations, Scoob Believer. Do you have a dream of becoming an entrepreneur, but don't know where to start or even what to do? Where can I gather information quickly about what's in my zone of genius? Don't worry, Scoob Believers. I got you covered. Go to tuepodcast.net backslash AI prompt and check out an amazing set of AI prompts that will give you ideas, information, and articles to help you get across that start line. Once again, go to tuepodcast.net backslash AI prompt to get you started now. Good luck, Scoob Believer. Hello there, Scoob Believer. Hey, if you're anything like me, I am just so tired of going from screen to screen to screen trying to figure out my analytics for all of my social medias and trying to figure out where I can put any and all my energies to get as much reach as I can. Well, I think I've finally found the solution. Elementary analytics. That's right. Elementary analytics. Now at a single press of a button, I can see all my social media analytics from Google to Twitter to Facebook, all my important information all on one screen, all on one screen. Can you believe it? And if you really needed to, you could print charts for any possible meetings you might have. If you want to learn more about this amazing program, go to tuepodcast.net backslash EA for a 14-day free trial with no credit card needed. That's tuepodcast.net backslash EA for a 14-day free trial. Try it right now and see what it can do for you. Undiscovered Entrepreneur, episode number 57. 57 is also a Keith number, which means that it's part of the Fibonacci-like sequence that starts with its digits 5, 7, 12, 19, 31, 50, and 57. Huh, cool. And what I found was when I was going and I was doing all of these things, when I was posting on Facebook, I had asked my Facebook friends, what do you want to learn from me? And I thought that they were going to say something about relationships, given all of my work as a mediator. And instead, they said, we want to know how to do what you're doing. Because the reality is most people don't do a big jump like I did and continue to do big jumps, right? So I was wandering the world. I had changed everything. And people just couldn't even believe and couldn't catch up. And they wanted to know, how do you do that? To the Undiscovered Entrepreneur, the podcast where brand new entrepreneurs come to life and could quite possibly be discovered. Join me, DJ Scoob, and the rest of the Scoob Believers as we help these new businesses become a reality. And now, away we go! Hello, Scoob Believers, and welcome to another episode of The Undiscovered Entrepreneur with me, DJ Scoob. <laughs> Coming at you whatever device you happen to be listening on. All right, so today we're going to get right into the very first thing is my Scoob Believer of the Week. So today's Scoob Believer of the Week is Sky Armin from Sky Kitchen Adventures uh, Facebook group. Check her out in the show notes. Thank you, Sky, for being a Scoob Believer. I really appreciate you. All right, so today we are talking to Meredith. Now, Meredith is an entrepreneur, and she has some amazing stories. You're going to get all of the great stories. We touch a lot of different things. We talk about mental health. We talk about gathering customers, all kinds of great information 
It's a little bit longer, but I got to tell you, every minute is worth listening to. So let's listen to Meredith. Salutations, school believers, and we are here again with another amazing brand spanking new entrepreneur. Today, we're here with Meredith. Hi, Meredith. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks for having me. Great. Great to have you on the Undiscovered Entrepreneur. Okay. So I have a really kind of semi-serious question to ask you. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Are you a school believer? Of course I am. All right. Thank you so much for being a school believer, Meredith. I really super appreciate you. Okay. I appreciate you too. All right. So we're gonna, I'm going to ask you just real quick here to give uh, an idea of who you are and what your entrepreneur venture is and how long you've kind of actually been doing it for. Okay. Do you want me to tackle all three of those or are you going to put it in the smaller content? No, no, like just small. tackle all three of them. We're just going to go right through it. Okay. <laughs> um, so I am a coaching hypnotherapist and I help um, I help to for heroes and overachievers and goal getters to um, stress less, do more, and have more fun in the process. I became a hypnotherapist because I survived an attempted kidnapping. Um, and that, that completely changed the trajectory of my life. So I used to be a mediator in the middle of people's conflict all the time. I was a superhero. I was always running in to save other people. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I needed to save myself. And hypnotherapy, for me, hypnotherapy and coaching was a way for me to save myself. And um, I'm proud to offer it now to other people to help them to save themselves, too. Yeah, and you find that a lot, too, with entrepreneurs. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you right up front, too. I suffer from superhero syndrome, for sure. I have most of my life. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to be the one to swoop in and save the day. But they came to a point in my life where I was like, okay, I'm the superhero, but who saves the superhero when superheroes are Yes. Yes, it is a hard lesson, right? Because it is something where you can, you can have a lot of pride in being a superhero. I have no desire to change being a superhero. It's a very powerful place to be when you get to run in and save everyone else, right? And you don't actually recognize uh, that being a superhero is very dysfunctional. Until you are stuck in a place where you need saving and, and you realize, oh, I've got a lot of people around me who like to be saved or they expect me to always be the superhero and not to have needs because I was really good at tending to everyone else's needs and tending to my needs if I admitted that I had them. And I was absolutely terrible at asking for help. That was a completely underdeveloped muscle for me. And it was something I really had to learn. Yeah, it is a hard lesson, but you know, when you get to that point, you really have to look around and realize that there's other people out there that love you, that want to be a part of life and be able to help you when you need help. Don't turn away from those people. Don't deflect the people that want to actually help you because they actually want to help you. They're not just doing it because they think you're, you're weak. They actually genuinely want to help you. Uh, asking for help is not a weakness. No, asking for help is a strength. And it's a, it's a really new lesson to those of us that have been superheroes, right? So I'm a recovering superhero now is how I would define myself. There's still a piece of me 
that can want to run in and they have to remind myself this is actually not mine, right? So I have a choice. I can take it on, but I don't have to take it on. Whereas before I would just jump in to be rescuing before I even thought about it. Um, but I do have a better, I have better quality people around me too, right? I have people that are more balanced that don't need me to be in that superhero role all the time. I have a lot more people um, who are recovering superheroes themselves, truthfully. I have a lot of kind and gentle people around me, and that's a lovely place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Having having those people around you, and you are the you are the culmination of the five people that are closest to you. It just seems like those five people that are closest to you are who you actually end up being a part of. And if, as long as those people around you are are caring and giving and want to genuinely help you, then you'll be okay. Right. And I think even, so even if you don't have five good people around you, right? Even if right now you were in that spot where you're like, oh, actually, I realize I'm a superhero. I've got a lot of people around me who are really good at taking. Um, you can start by listening to a podcast, right? You could start by paying attention to this podcast and being like, oh, this counts as a person around me because this is a new voice in me, right? You can be, you can be reading books. You can have a coach. There are ways to pull in top people so that the voice inside of you changes and that you grow and change. Exactly. All right. Good words. Thank you, Meredith. I really appreciate that. I will definitely keep that in mind and in my heart because it is really close to me as well, too. Thank right. you. Now, I know that it seemed like a little bit of a subject, but what actually made you start your business? I, I don't know if you want to get into that a little bit or not, or. Sure. I'm happy to get into it. You can ask me just about any question okay. about it and I'm fine. <laughs> um, so what happened was I, I needed to figure out what else I was going to do with my life. So I, um, I fought off the attempted kidnapping in 2015. And I faced off against my attacker in 2018. So five, a little over five years ago, five and a half years ago. By that point, my marriage had failed. My then husband had married a superhero. He didn't want somebody who needed rescuing herself, right? That wasn't what he had signed on. Um, I was mediating. I was still in the middle of people's conflict doing that. And I knew I didn't want to live in um, Maine anymore because I couldn't get my body to reset to feeling safe. So what had happened for me with the attempted kidnapping is I defaulted from feeling like always, that'll be fine, right? Because when you're a superhero, you can run into danger because you're always believing. It'll be fine. I'm going to be able to solve this. It's going to be fine, right? And I defaulted to feeling unsafe unless proven otherwise. So I was always sort of buzzing with that unsafe feeling. And still doing these things and just pretending that I didn't feel that. Um, so 2018, when I faced off against my attacker, I got really triggered. And after that, I, I did not want to be a mediator anymore either. So now I had a failed marriage. I already was planning to leave the state. And I couldn't do my job anymore. <laughs> I had a trifecta of nothing right there. Um, but what I didn't have was... I went to Norway three weeks after the trial, and I had um, 
I had farmed in Norway on the family farm. My great-grandfather had come from Norway, and I had farmed there in my early 20s. And when I went to that family farm for a visit, I felt like I came home. And I felt like I came home to me. And they happened to have the house that is literally called Great Grandmother's House available for rent um, three, three months later. So I came back to the States. I checked in um, and went, no, I really, this is where I need to be. And I contacted them and they were very happy to rent me Great Grandmother's House. And so I, um, I started finally finalizing my marriage. We were splitting personal property. As a divorce mediator, I was good at that, right? So doing that, wrapped up my business, told everyone I'm going on unpaid sabbatical for 90 days, and I left for Norway. And I went there and I wrote a memoir about my life after the attempted kidnapping. And at that point, I really just thought, okay, that I can do, right? I can hide out on a mountain overlooking a fjord in Norway. I'll write books. That's what I could do. So. But I also couldn't do any of that until Norway said yes. So I had to respect international treaties. I went and I um, stayed at a friend's house in Australia for a couple months. I started studying Norwegian super intensively. I started um, pitching my book to agents. I came back to Norway um, and I started learning it super intense, Norwegian super intensively in Norway for three months. I thought I had an agent. I thought things were going to go smoothly, but it wasn't happening fast enough. So I had to figure out something else to do. And I thought, well, you know, OJ had Cato. Like somebody should be willing to pay a responsible person like me to stay at their place and take care of it. I should be able to find something like that. And I couldn't quite find that. But what I found was international pet sitting. So people would, we would trade. I could stay, I could stay in their place. Right. And, uh, they would get free pet sitting. So it was a wash. So I spent six months in the United Kingdom doing that. And then um, a month in Greece on a little Greek island, a month in the vineyards of France. And I came back to the U.S. um, in March of 2020, just before the borders shut down. So my life completely changed as a result of that. But while I was doing this wandering, I still didn't get the agent. So I had to figure out, all right, well, what else can I do? And because I had been a mediator and a conflict coach, I was always really good at figuring out how to help people get from point A to point B, right? I was really good at figuring out what are your strengths? What's the best version of you? Helping you to see that best version of you, feel that best version of you, helping you to see where to go for next steps. And all of that I could do as a coach for people. And what I found was when I was going and I was doing all of these things, when I was posting on Facebook, I had asked my Facebook friends, what do you want to learn from me? And I thought that they were going to say something about relationships, given all of my work as a mediator. And instead, they said, we want to know how to do what you're doing. Because the reality is most people don't do a big jump like I did and continue to do big jumps, right? So I was wandering the world. I had changed everything. And people just couldn't even believe and couldn't catch up. And they wanted to know, how do you do that? So that was my world into being a coach. Um, What happened in terms of 
how I became a hypnotherapist was I was in my own way in terms of marketing. And I would have told you that, well, of course I'm in my own way in terms of marketing, right? Two people tried to kidnap me. Like it is perfectly normal to want to hide out after that happens. However, um, what really it was, was I was also really mad at my mother. And I didn't know why I was really mad at my mother because my mother's the same mother I've always had. Um, but our subconscious brain is formed basically age zero to seven. But I mean, when you have trauma, it can go up higher than that, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about childhood. But a lot of what we do instinctively, a lot of what we do on everything we do on autopilot is our subconscious brain. So it wasn't anything to do with the attempted kidnapping. The attempted kidnapping just reinforced a belief that I had from when I was much younger. And the hypnotherapy was what helped me to heal that. Um, and so after I experienced that, so this is wonderful. Like I want to provide this to other people because it is the it is the fastest thing I have ever found to get you out of your own way. And I have always been an impatient person. I don't like having to do things just like by road over and over and over again. I was not good at doing affirmations and things like that, for example, because it felt like lying. And I didn't believe that it would really work and I was going to have to do it every day. Hypnotherapy, it's different. It's an hour and a half with me and you up level, right? So I haven't found anything else that comes close. That's a lot. That's amazing. (laughs) Good. So good. I like, I like the fact that you, you change your surroundings to change your, your kind of mindset. Even though you're Mm -hmm. jumping to a lot of different places, you're getting to explore a lot of great things. And I'm so glad that what grandmother's house came around to help you out. And that was just kind of like a meant to be kind of thing. Cause there you are and there it is. And, and, Poof, there it is. That's awesome. I'm glad that worked out for you. We all go through tough failures, you know, and it's, it's, it could be different for everybody. It was definitely different for you, but out of those failures and out of those struggles that we have on the other side of the things, we have to remember that there's opportunity for us on the side. The things that we learn from those failures are things that we take with us to help us move on to the next thing that we need to go to. And uh, I was just—I was just curious about. Did, did you ever finish that book and publish that book? I never was able to get it published, so I did finish it, and I actually did a couple um, workshops about it back east when I was marketing it and looking for an agent. But I was not able to find an agent. And truthfully, at this point, I would write a different book. So I had to—I had to end the book in order to be able to market the book, right? So um, it didn't have as happy an ending as Americans might like because I was still in sort of that unfinished space of I'm not sure where I'm going to be, right? My life is better and it was better, but it wasn't finished. So um, I was able to get a story published in Newsweek that's probably closer to what I would have for a story now. So Newsweek in... um, in 2020, at the end of 2020, they wanted a happy COVID story. There had been a lot of unhappy COVID stories, and they were looking for a COVID story with a happy ending. 
And so I said, I can do you better than a COVID story with a happy ending. How about I'll give you a an attempted kidnapping and a COVID story with a happy ending? And they liked that. So I ended up with my um, with my own article in Newsweek. Oh, great. That's awesome. You know, you should just write two books. You have the Could one book, <laughs> have the one book up and then end where you said, and then the new one, the next one, which really has the happy ending to it. I think that would be, that would be awesome. I agree with you. I think that it would be too. But as you know, like there's only so much, uh, there's only so much time in the day. And when you're starting up a new business, right, to do that, plus writing a book and going through the marketing for the that, it's a little much, but I'm not saying it won't happen in the future, but I think I would want to get this business. Um, I want to get this business on a good footing and then I can be looking at the book to go along with the, with that, or I can, I can redo the previous book. I'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> what gave you the idea for the pet setting, uh, the international pet sitters? That's amazing. I never would have thought of that. It honestly was. I thought about I thought about OJ Simpson and the fact that he had somebody that lived at his place and just was there to take care of things. And I thought, well, there must be something like that that I could do somewhere. Um, and I don't know how it morphed into pet sitting. I know that I had had um I had had to have a pet sitter from time to time for my dog which I had gone away uh when I had a dog, so I thought I I probably just looked at that. And there are a couple websites available that do link pet sitters. So there was one in particular that I liked the best, but I used the other one as well. Um, and it was just something where you would pitch it and they could pick between everyone. So you would end up having a conversation with the person in advance, right? So we would each be vetting each other. Um, I... I would show that, you know, it helps to look like Mrs. Doubtfire. Like it helps to be <laughs> older. People are like, oh, my granny's going to come and take care of my dog or my cat. That's great. That's exactly what I want. So, you know, if you look at me, you're not thinking that I'm going to have wild parties, right? You're thinking, oh, yeah, she's going to nurture and take care of the animal. So it worked out well. All right. That's good. Some You just got that little bit of advantage over most people out there. I couldn't imagine, you know. Leaving my pet to somebody that's, you know, has a tank top on and just chewing bubble gum and has color in their hair. I was like, you know, the babysitter from heck. So, you know, just. I think every, you know, people find what they're comfortable with. So, they, you know, there probably is a market for that, too. Right? Uh, it could one, be. One who makes people comfortable. But I do think that it helped me to be. um To be an easygoing older female. Right. All right. And the other thing I want to talk about, too, is. And you really touched on a really tender subject for me too. And that's the, the stuff that we learn as a child, we take into, into our adulthood and it becomes kind of our subconscious kind of thing. So like, can you explain a little bit more about how that works? Do you know a little bit more about that? Um, so we are, when you think about a child, they're trying to figure out how the world works from the moment they're born right? They come into this world, they're blank slates, and they are figuring out, all right, who are my people? I recognize my people sort of from what I heard in utero, right? So how do I interact with these people? How do I have them understand me? 
So you're looking at um, babies that are smiling from the get-go because they're trying, you know, they're trying to have that connection with you long before they're even able to communicate verbally. They're already connecting with you and already figuring out how you work and what you need. Um, and they're figuring out how the world works, right? If they cry, do their needs get met or do they not? That's it. Those are two very different worlds. I mean, the good news for parents is that if you meet your children's needs most of the time, then you're not going to do that much damage. It's the, it's the not meeting the needs for a lot of the time that does damage. Um, and so that's when you get into more of child abuse and neglect. The reality is that we all have messages that we learned in childhood, even from people who meant to do right by us, right? There still can be messages that we learned that shape then how we interact with the world. So if you had the message, um, either spoken or unspoken, that children are to be um, seen but not heard, that's going to be hard then for you to do marketing of yourself because you're not supposed to be heard, right? So that little you is always going to feel like, oh, no, no, that's not our job. Even though you're an adult. And so the little you then will struggle with being able to uh, to command the room or even to speak up at the table, right? If um, you were raised to believe that women are supposed to uh, take care of men and take care of children and put everybody else's needs first, right? Be in that caretaker role. Then it's going to be very hard to say, but these are my needs and I need these needs to get met. And similarly, as you were talking about, men can also be raised to be superheroes, right? And so men are raised as boys not to have emotions, right? You're not supposed to cry. You're supposed to be stronger than that. And so there's this, uh, we're told from a young age which emotions are okay and which emotions are not okay and how we're supposed to do with things. Um, if you are raised to always be achieving, if you're raised to that, you need to, you need to perform in order to um, get love, then love is not unconditional, right? That love comes with strings. And so you can learn to be a very high achiever because you're really good at finding a way to get love. And you might even think that you love yourself more than you do because you're really good at finding a way to get love, right? So I know for myself, doing the healing journey, right? So it starts with, did I love myself? No, no, that wasn't what I was taught. I was taught to be an achiever. And so nothing was ever good enough, right? So I was taught to always be looking at the next rung on the ladder. Um, but when I took care of that piece, when I was like, no, no, I figured out how to love myself. Um, one of the one of the things I do with hypnotherapy is also work with people on accepting themselves fully and completely. And when I did that work, I realized, oh, actually, I still am not good at unconditional love. I'm really good at meeting the conditions that I set for myself, which is different. Accepting all parts of you is accepting the shadow self, too. Accepting the self that 
not only do I not want to show to you or not show to the rest of the world, I don't even want to show it to me. That's the whole different level of acceptance. And I mean, so the this younger us, right? This younger us that I'm saying is in charge. Um, when when we're looking to do something and it and we get anxiety about doing it, it's really that younger you trying to protect you and keep you safe. So if you think about any kind of anxiety, um, whether it's coming up as feeling stressed or feeling anxious or avoiding doing something or running away from doing something or procrastinating or um, the new trick for me is I get really tired. So like I found the way around all of these really, um, all of these energetic ways to get me to not do things. So the new one became, well, fine, I'll just make it so you can't move. Great. I don't actually know how to deal with this. This is a new one in my life, in my 50s. But all of that is designed to keep you safe, right? And so if you can work with yourself and let let you, like let that younger you know that you're safe and that actually what it's doing is causing more harm than if it actually let you do what it is you want to do, then often that's all it takes to be able to go forward and do what you want. Amazing. Amazing words, Meredith. I think that's something we could all kind of take in within ourselves as far as mental health and how things come about and why things happen the way they happen uh, in our childhood up to adulthood and, and how that interacts. So I really appreciate that. Thank you, Meredith. Thank you. All right. Uh, I know we talked a little bit earlier. Uh, about a few things here, but I always like to talk about pitfalls and problems getting started in our entrepreneur adventure. So when you were first getting started in your entrepreneur adventure, what were some of the pitfalls and problems that you came across? As I said to you, the big one for me was marketing, right? right? That was the the biggest chore because I had already been an entrepreneur. So I had already had my own, um, I had had a law firm with someone else. I'd gone out on my own and started a business um, where I was doing mediation and guardian ad litem work representing the best interest of children in court. Um, And so going through the general hurdles in terms of, uh, I, I don't know, knowing how to start up a business, I had that under my belt. I would say that the challenge for me also at that point was, can I actually make this work? Right. So it was sort of testing trial and error, see what it is that actually resonates with me. So sometimes you'll think, oh, this would be a great solution for me. So, for example, Pinterest marketing. I thought that would be a perfect thing to drive people to my website. Um, I don't mind going up Pinterest for recipes. So I thought this would work. I took the class, I implemented, and I realized. I I hate Pinterest to the level I need <laughs> trust in order to make it. I just, it made it too much work for me. There was like, there was no joy in that for me. So I had to then figure out, okay, what kind of marketing will I do? What kind of marketing is something that I can do and it will bring me joy? Because there has to be that piece of it when you're going to be getting out and meeting people and finding people to go 
up to work with you and driving the traffic to you. There has to be the joy in it or you won't do it. Yeah, you got to got to find out what makes makes work. You got to find right. whatever it is that makes work, you know, and, you know, you could experiment with it and that kind of thing. And maybe it's a good thing that you found out you didn't like Pinterest. I mean, what if you just kept doing it anyway? And just, just you went to have done that. Before. Do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, when it comes up to things like that, I like to reference a book um, written by a gentleman named Pat Flynn. I think I've mentioned him a bajillion times on my podcast, but he he wrote a book called Will It Fly? And it's basically a step-by-step blueprint process of testing out different parts of yourself and in the market before you spend too much money and time on it. So um, that, to avoid a lot of those things that you just talked about, that would actually be a great book to think about looking into. But you can never know for sure until you experiment with it a little bit. See if you actually like it or not. And then if you don't, at least you didn't get into it too far to where it's like, I just want to, I want to stop everything. Just because it was so bad. Right. So. And I, I think that there's also, there's the trade-off, right? Because you have to, you have to be willing to try things and, and fail. And you have to be willing to fail epically and over and over again and still get up and believe in yourself. And at the same time, you have to be willing to say, okay, this isn't working, right? So it is a balancing act of figuring out is it working? Is it not working? Let's not take this personally that this isn't working. Let's have it be that I just need some more information, right? That it might work if I tweak it a little bit as opposed to taking it as one more failure. Because I see a lot of people who they like the idea of being self-employed and they start out with it and they have high hopes that if they build it, they will come, like Field of Dreams, right? If I build it, they will come. And it turns out that with some profession, yes, right? There are certain professions that if you build it, they really do come. But for the vast, I shouldn't say the vast majority, but yeah, probably, if you build it, they don't come unless you go knocking. They don't know you exist. Right. Even if they know you exist, they don't know that they need you. And so how do you have that conversation with people so that they understand who you are and what you do and why they would even need you in the first place? Right. We can't just assume that they're going to follow us in there, but they need to know who we are to very in the very beginning. So they know that they like us. They know that they want to follow us into whatever it is that we're going. Exactly. Yeah. And you make a good point on failure. I mean, failure is definitely the ultimate learning tool. If your mindset is set to where the failure is not throwing up your hands up in the air and saying, I'm done with this, but it's more along the lines, okay, I failed. What did I learn for this? And what can I use uh, in those learnings onto my next thing? Uh, do you know the acronym for fail? What? Find another? I don't know. That's pretty good. No, uh, first attempt in learning. Okay. Yes. And that, whenever I think about failure, that's the first thing that goes through my head. It's my first attempt at learning something. Even though I failed it, it's something that taught me something that I could go use on to my next, my next adventure or whatever it is that I go to. 
And being it, you talk a good, uh, good point about pivoting too, pivoting into something else after that failure. Okay. This doesn't work. Let's move on to this. This might be something a little bit the same, but different at the same time where I can learn, use those learners into something new. So pivoting and being able to pivot is super important. It is. And I think too, I know that sometimes we get caught up in running after, um, sometimes we get caught up in banging our head against the wall, right? So just like, I really want this. And if I keep banging my head against the wall, eventually the wall is going to give. And it's a lot easier if you find the door. So if you can't get through the wall, and I'm not saying I haven't run at a wall before, but look for the door, right? Look for what's an easier way that I can be doing this. Some of that is, uh, you know, finding who knows what you need to know. So if if we had had this um, discussion a couple of years ago before I settled in Oregon, when COVID happened, I was planning to be a snowbird in between Norway and Greece. And I was looking at, am I going to live more in Norway or Greece? Am I going to set up my business in Norway or Greece? And I was starting to do my research into both places um, to see what was going to be a better fit for me. What was going to be a better fit for me in terms of quality of life? What was going to be a better fit for me in terms of setting up my business? I knew that to do it, I was going to need to get professional help, right? I do not speak Norwegian well enough to be filling out those forms. And even if I did, I would still want to have a professional with me who knew the lay of the land who could help me through it, right? I don't, I don't speak Greek at all at this point. I mean, I learned a very little bit with Duolingo. Um, and so all of that was going to be about how do I make this work, right? And that is a piece that we need to have when we are setting up a business. Professionals are your friends. You want to have the people that know how to do it and do it well to help you set it up. Because when you don't set it up the right way, then you end up with bigger problems later on and nobody wants that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's actually, you know, it's funny, as you mentioned, kind of that's actually like awesome segue into my next question, believe it or not, was uh, if you had any influencers or help or anything, mentors that you looked up to when you were actually getting started. So I did. The, um, the coach that I had was a hypnotherapist. She... Also, she had an online coaching program, um, and so I did individual work with her, and then I also did her four-month program, which was targeted to entrepreneurs, online entrepreneurs. Um, when I heard that then she was going to be doing a program for hypnotherapists specifically, right, people that want to do coaching plus hypnotherapy, said absolutely signed me up. And so that was then um, a nine-month program that I did. And I also am still a part of her membership. So I'm, I'm able to go in and access online trainings that she has done. So all of that helped immensely in terms of doing this. I also, when I moved to Oregon, 
when I moved to the Oregon coast, and then I was looking at getting involved more with people in person, not simply doing things online, I went to a networking event at the um, Chamber of Commerce, and I met the person who was the director of um, the Tillamook Small Business Development Center. And so I started talking with him. They were going to be doing a small business management series. I said, I could help with that. I could do a topic with that. And so we started talking and then we talked more. And the more we talked, the more he was just like, you need to be my partner in this. And so he brought me into the Small Business Development Center. So I was doing now the full nine months with him. So he ended up mentoring in that capacity. And um, then I'd grown that position so that I also um, got them to do a mastermind program. And so last year I was sort of mentoring because we have a new director and now uh, I'm in it to a lesser extent. But yes, I mean, you're finding the people who help you to get a foot up, right? And you keep paying it forward that way. I just started today a um, a solopreneur support circle in the local area for um, people who are in ver- it's various it's various entrepreneurs. I pulled them together in my old county, and we had our first meeting today. And it is all about collaborating and lifting each other up, and. It's all about that support, being able to mentor each other, being able to brainstorm with each other, being able to use the hive mind to figure out things that we could be doing differently so that we can all be collaborating and we can all be working together. And I'm looking to create more of these solopreneur support support circles because I feel like being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely business. And we all think, I'm the only one going through this, or I don't want to show people that I'm being weak, right? It's that superhero syndrome. I don't want to show people what's behind the scenes. I just want to show them that I'm successful and that they'll want to work with me. And so having people that we trust, that are safe people emotionally, that we can have these discussions with, and they can help us and we can help them, just strengthens the whole community. It makes it a better place. And when you have those people now, instead of being surrounded by the walls, now you're surrounded by doors because you're creating this community where everyone is opening the door for you and you are opening the door for everyone else. And that's one of the main reasons why I even put this podcast together, to be honest with you, Meredith, is to build that community of people uh, that is starting. I mean, there's all sorts of people starting businesses, but like you said, they're all, they all feel alone. Like this, I'm the only, am I alone mm-hmm. one doing this? And why do I feel this way? Having somebody to go to listen to, having somebody to reach out to, Hey, can you help me with this? And have them say, sure, I won't even charge you or, or whatever, you know, being able to be there for those people to open up those doors, just like you talked about earlier. And it really makes, makes me feel good to be able to do that for somebody. And it's nice to know that somebody will actually do that for me too whenever I need it to. Yes. And that is the thing. It's wonderful being a podcast guest with you, right? I mean, it's an <laughs> honor to be doing that. And it is opening up that door and that window for people to see that they're not alone in this. 
because we do, we have that thing. I'm the only one who can't get it. And part of the messaging when you're buying the courses and uh, I've bought plenty of online courses, but you buy the online courses and they're like, and this is the secret sauce. And when you buy this sauce, everything is going to go smooth sailing from here on out because all it took for me was this one secret sauce. I learned this secret and done. And so you get to a point where you get a bit jaded, right? Because you do, you you fall into this trap over and over and over. And you think, okay, I bought the course. I did everything. And you know what? Secret sauce didn't work for me. So it must be another person with another secret sauce. So you buy the course and you do the work. You're like, oh, this secret sauce doesn't work either. And so you go find the next person with the secret sauce. And then maybe you give up. Or maybe you keep trying, but a lot of people give up, right? A lot of people, the fear, that feeling of failure is so great that they just don't believe in themselves anymore. And they think, I just wasn't able to. I didn't, I wasn't able to find the secret sauce. I didn't make it properly. And I don't know how to do it. And part of the trick is to keep showing up. People need to see you. We get so much information thrown at us every single day. And when we're the ones putting it out there into the world, we think, well, of course they saw me. Like God put it out into the world. But when you think about all that you scroll past and how the algorithms don't even show you so much stuff, because there's so much coming at you. There's a fire hose of it coming at you and you are just one little drop of water. The reality is we need to touch people a lot more, right? So the, there are different types of people with respect to change. So some people, as soon as they hear about it, they're just like, yes, I want that. I know I want that. Here, let me sign up. But then that's not everybody, right? So the next stage, they need to see that it actually worked for someone. So they're the ones that are going to be reading your testimonials. They're going to be watching to see. Did anybody, did other people have a good experience? What's getting posted about it? Okay, if these people are, you know, if these people are, that makes it safe. Now I can do it too. And then there's the ones where she's like, well, if half the world is doing it, now I guess I can do it. And then the last ones are that never, 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 you can't make me. And those are the ones that they still have a landline, even though there's plenty of good internet service available to them and they couldn't, right? They could have a cell phone. They're still getting their old phone book or maybe they just keep their old phone book that they've had forever because they want to have it like that. They complain about what it is that is changing. And um, I know for myself, I had to go through when you're trying to figure out who your ideal client is, right? As a superhero, the ones I wanted to save were actually the never, 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 you can't make me people because then thought, well, they really need my help. It doesn't matter because they don't recognize that they do, right? So my actual client is the one that says, oh yeah, that sounds cool. That would be great. Sign me up. That is the open door. Right. I can bang my head forever against the never, 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 you can't make me. And they're still never, never, never coming. <laughs> so don't bang in your head. Find the open door. Yeah. Especially when it, my dad's like that. I got to tell you, he, he was, <laughs> he was very technical for a while, but as soon as he retired, he shut it all down and just, yeah. 
anyway, so yeah, you make a good point too. You, you don't want to concentrate so much on the people that don't, you can't change anybody, especially, especially mm-hmm. that never, never person. They're not going to change no matter what happens. So you want to work on the people that are open to opportunity, that are open to the change. That way you can help them out because they want to be helped. If you, if they exactly. don't want to, if people don't want to be helped, then they're not going to be helped. Right. And you, you know, and you make a good point about, you know, the secret sauce and going out and trying to find different flavors. This sauce isn't working good. Pretty soon you, you've got so many secret sauces, your sauce turns to vinegar because it's just not working. <laughs> now, what I like to do instead, instead of letting my sauce turn to vinegar, is t- even though I have different things that I've learned from different people, I integrate the best things that I've learned from those people and make my own secret sauce. Yes, that is exactly what to do. And that shows that you're actually doing what needs to be done because there is, that is the integrating process, right? So if you just go and you learn it and you never implement it, it doesn't ever become yours. And if you go and you learn it and you never go beyond copying the other person, it hasn't become yours either, right? When you are fully implementing it, like you're talking about, then it is it becomes yours because your style comes into play. And people want to work with you. It is your, it is your style. It is your energy and what you bring that makes them want to work with you. Exactly. Great words. Thank you so much, Meredith. That's amazing. Great uh, analogies on the sauces. I like it. I like a good sauce. So uh, yeah, we'll take that to heart for sure. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. So I'd like to know, and I like asking this question because I always get a different answer from everybody, but in your vast you know, doings, when will you know you've made it? When will you think you've made it to that one pinnacle point where it said, this is exactly where I want to be at this particular time? What's that look like to you? Uh, so it looks like different things at different times, honestly. So I, I'm going to say I used to be quite terrible at this because I always saw the next rung. And I didn't allow myself to sit and celebrate that joy of having made it, right? And my trick, my trick for celebrating that I've made it is actually to look back in 90-day increments and see how far I've come as opposed to always looking forward. That when I look back and I say, oh, well, a year ago, this is where I was, and I'm so much farther than that. So look, I'm already making it. I'm already a success in so many ways. Um, so in some ways, I've already made it. In some ways, I live in one of the most beautiful places on this planet, as far as I'm concerned. And I have great neighbors, and I have um, a great community that I really enjoy. And so all of that is already having made it. I can make it better. I can, I can, you know, do more with that. But that in and of itself is already making it. And then there's the financial goals. So, you know, that's, a, that's the other piece is getting to the point where, uh, Getting to the point where there's, you know, the bucket that is for what I what I have for what I need to make every month. 
for a minimum, then putting money away for savings and putting money away for retirement. And then, honestly, what I'm looking at is still creating that life where I am living in Norway and or Greece and or Oregon um, and going back to that little Greek island of Samos and checking to see if I still want to live there and going back to Norway and seeing my family and friends. If When I get to the point where I can spend summers in Norway, I will have made it. That's really the thing is being able to be with um, with the people that you love most on this planet. Um, and I think that the the one thing that has held me back from doing that sooner is that coming to Oregon, I met the best boyfriend on the planet. So I had the best first date of my life on July 4th of 2020. And we have had a fabulous relationship from that time forward. And so I actually don't like being apart from him. And it makes my little wandering heart stay close. <laughs> not wander the world as much. And instead, you know, we go out on little adventures nearby. Um, so I need to, you know, to fully um, be a success. It's going to involve also convincing him that he should spend the summer in Norway with me. Uh, but, but yeah, I think that would be for me. We'll, we'll, we'll leave the, we'll leave, we'll leave the boyfriend convincing part to you. But but everything else that you talked about there, wanting to be close to to family and, you know, I I like the fact that you don't look too far forward or back. I mean, that way you can literally see where you're coming from and where you're going. That's really important. Some people look too far and it's just you don't really know what's going to happen in the future. And the past is already the past. So you really can't do too much about it. But what you can do is measure the growth that you've had from the past to now and see where you've been. That is it. And honestly, that was what I learned from the um, from the attempt at kidnapping. So before that, I was somewhat always focused on the future. I lived in the future. Whatever I was doing now was based on what I wanted to get to in the future. And having that event and then um, and then the second triggering in 2018, I got far less than on how little control I have over life. And that really all of our power is in the present moment. And so we can do things in the present moment that we want to then result in something in the future. But there's no guarantee that any of that will happen. And so you can make yourself quite miserable, always chasing a future that may never exist instead of focusing on what is happening right here and right now. And similarly, like you said, past is the past. And so we do, we carry that trauma. It, we can carry it in our bodies as well as in our brains, right? And so there has to be that goal of releasing it because we want to release and let go of it. We don't want to carry it around everywhere. If it's something painful, it's much better for you to be able to literally shake it off. 
And so all that you can do to let go of all the baggage, right? And just be able to be here in this present moment that will make your life a lot better. Okay, let's all remember that, school Believers. That's good stuff right there. All right. This is one of my favorite questions here. And I think everybody, this is the one question that everybody really listens to most is if you were to meet somebody that wants to take the same entrepreneur adventure as you, or at least similar, what kind of advice would you give them? What kind of steps would you have them take? I would probably check with them and see if they actually knew what they were in for. Like, is this, (laughs) are they just believing what they see on social media or do they really want to? Mm -hmm. Right. Because there, it it is two questions. Um, I think that I would want them. So it really depends on how hardcore it is about what they wanted to do. So if they wanted to do, this specific hypnotherapy I do, yes, they could do that tomorrow, right? I could give them the website for that. Um, but if they want what if they wanted to do was to do what I did, which was to completely change their life because life had become untenable. Um I would say first, how about we see if there's anything in life that you actually could do before we do the jump off a cliff and build your wings on the way down because that is a lot to go through um and the piece that the the piece that i don't tell uh let me start with that so because i had so much fear right after the attempt to get it out there um the first day i literally just stayed in bed I just hugged, I, I hid out in bed and my uh, then husband took all the calls and he got the call from the police that they had caught the, the attacker. And at that point, um, he felt safer and I still didn't. So the next day, he made me get out of bed. He made me leave the house and go and walk the dog as far as I could go. And I could only go a block, holding his hand and um, having the dog there. And I had to turn around. So the following day, I walked the dog without him that same area because it was like he cleared that space for me. And I could go there and I made myself go a little bit further until I couldn't go any further. And then I turned around and I came back. And I did that every day and I reclaimed my town that way by walking everywhere. So I had been someone before the attempted kidnapping who was a wanderer like that I just talked about. I had been someone who studied abroad in France and studied in Russia and farmed on the family farm in Norway. And after this, I could not sleep outside of my home. So I retrained my brain how to do the things I wanted, right? I started small and I built it bigger. And so then I uh, 
couple of years in, a year and a half in, I went and I stayed at a hotel by myself for the first time and did that as an overnight as part of a conference that was nearby within like an hour and a half. So if I had to, I could drive back home, but it was going to be hard enough that it was going to be, either one was going to be work. If I had to drive home in the dark, I wasn't going to like it. And if I had to stay there by myself, I wasn't going to like it, right? So I was growing that comfort zone. Um, and then I I kept growing. So I went and I stayed in um, Canada first when I was looking at going internationally. I went with a friend to Canada and we drove up. And then the next time I drove myself, so I still had control over my vehicle. But I intentionally went to French-speaking Canada so that I would be doing a different language, right? So there was always this pushing that was happening. I would say that um, my tendency can be to just jump into the deep end of the pool and swim. And that I can run right through my comfort zone and leave it in the dust. And that is not necessarily a good thing because it sends your body panicking even more and if you can do things to stretch your comfort zone as opposed to putting it into panic you actually will help yourself to heal faster um and that is not always my strength (laughs) my strength is to get myself to do more and to right and to push but i can push too hard and so i would be cautioning people to um, to listen to themselves, to listen to their bodies, that it's it's taken a long time to get to where they are, right? And they, they can take a longer time to get to where they want to go too, and that there will be a part of them. When I left to Norway, I thought I was going to figure it all out in 90 days. I had 90, that was my goal, right? 90 days, I'm going to be, I've cleared my decks, I can't, I don't have anything I can do there. I couldn't work, right? So what was I going to do there? Um, and I had wanted to write that memoir. And so I went over and I brought with me a book on uh, writer's block and procrastination because right. I knew you've cleared your decks. You don't have any excuse now. It's not that you're working. It's not that you're volunteering. It's not that you're hanging out with a friend. You've got nothing. You've got all the time in the world to write a book. And so if you can't write this book, it's only because of you. So um, you don't have to push as hard as I pushed myself. It's actually not good to push quite that hard. But you can be strategic and make it a lot easier for yourself too, which is, yeah, also what I do. All right. That's amazing. I th- think we could put, take that along and just about any kind of adventure that we're going to do. I mean, taking those little steps to move uh, forward just a little bit more out of our comfort zone, a little bit more out of comfort zone. Cause if you, but if you go too far, like you you break a leg or something, you know, it's just <laughs> right. And that way where mm-hmm. you stretch and you just stretch too much and it, you actually get yourself hurt. So taking those small steps to get out of the comfort zone, it's the only thing that's going to make us move forward as far as what we want to do. Exactly. And so it's taking any step, right? So if you know, this really scares me, so I don't want to do it at all, just do set the timer and do it for a minute. Because you can handle anything for a minute. Or personally for me, 
I hate filing. So filing is something that I delegate in my head, even when there's nobody to delegate it to. And so it does help me to set the timer because it is something that I will, I will avoid. But if I put it for five minutes, I'm like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was. It's just that, you know, there's this wall of resistance. So I think something like that, that it's boring, it's whatever, set the timer for five minutes. But then also don't use that as a trick for yourself, right? So one of the things that we do as overachievers is we're like, oh, good. So now you're doing it. So keep doing it. No, because then you're lying to yourself. And who wants to keep negotiating with a liar, right? So like five minutes, I said, you could have a break. You get to have a break. If you don't want a break, if you don't need a break, you don't have to. But the reality is, I said five minutes. So you can be done. That's actually some advice I give some of my coaching clients too, when it comes to, they're like, well, I, I don't have time to do meditation. So you have time, you could set yourself a timer for five minutes. And after that, decide if you have more time or not. If you can't find five minutes and 24 hours in a day, then there's something going on. So just set yourself for a timer for a minute, for five minutes, whatever it is, and take small steps as you move along and then decide from there if you can move on from it or not. Absolutely. All right. Because so maybe that's how you get your book written. <laughs> just five minutes a day, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have moats to climb right now. I, oh, I literally, okay. well, I would write the book and it would stress me out and then I would go climb the mountain. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is a question I get a different answer from every time and it gets a little bit tough. So if it gets over, if it gets past that, you know, that comfort zone, let me know. Okay. But what is the one question you wish I would have asked you but didn't? I always miss one really good question that everybody's ready for, but I never asked that question. What is that question, Meredith? I honestly, I don't know. I, because I didn't come in with a pre preconceived notion of what yeah, it I know. That's be. what I said. <laughs> and so um, I think that yeah, I think it's an easier question if you come in with a preconceived notion of what should happen. And I've uh, I've given up a lot of that. I gave up a lot of that as a mediator because I did very I did the I did transformative mediation, which is the um, the most empowering for other people. So I am not coming at it as the expert. I'm coming at it as the um, person to help them as opposed to being the expert on their lives after not knowing them really. Um, so for this, yeah, you're the expert because it's your podcast. <laughs> so I, I'm just here to answer the questions that you want. And because you know your audience best, right? That's, yeah, that's how I look at things now. Okay. We'll just keep it at that. That sounds good to me. Okay. Here comes one of my favorite parts. This is getting towards the end here. So what I do with all my guests, it's to set a six-month goal for you. So where do you see you yourself and your company in the next six months? That's a good one. So in six months, oh, in six months, I would really like to have my ticket to Norway. That's what I would really like. Oh, uh, yes. My ticket to Norway in six months. Um, I'm going to be starting doing 
mediation again for the courts. So I've talked with them about that. And I think that will be starting either late this year or early next year. I've been doing facilitation as well for nonprofits, nonprofit boards. Uh, I will be building the solopreneur circles, both in person and online. So I'm looking at, I think I'd like to have three or four of them going in person in this area and then have a couple online as well. It's a different feel, but it's still, it, it's just a necessary thing in this world to have that kind of a space for people. Um, so I'm really enjoying having that space and holding that group space for people. All right. That's amazing. That's some great goals you have. So, so here's what I'm going to do with you, Meredith. In six months, I'd like to have a follow-up interview with you. Okay. And, and see if you've actually reached these goals that yourself on, you know, take a trip to Norway, get the mediation going and see if you have the solopreneur circles working. Oh, I yeah. won't take the trip to Norway until say June. July or August, but I will have the, I want to have the ticket to Norway. There you go. So yeah, no, it will, they will still have snow coming down in April and May. I have no interest. Gotcha. In July and August. That's- <laughs> All right. We'll see if you have that ticket then. That sounds good to me. I'm really interested in that solopreneur circle. I think that's, that would be just monumental for you. So we'll follow up with you in six months and see if, uh, if, uh, what goals we've reached for you. Is that okay? That sounds great. All right. Fantastic. All right, Meredith, this is your time to shine. Now I want you to go ahead and tell us about how to get a hold of you if you have any questions or we need your services. Okay. Ready, set, go. Well, thank you. Yes. So to get a hold of me, my website, just MeredithLRichardson.com. M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H-L Richardson.com. Um, and then you can jump onto my email list and there's free group coaching once a month on my email list. Uh, if you're in the Oregon area, then you could always come and join for a free hypno session. I have that happening at the Warrington Library next month. Um, although by the, I don't know when this airs, that probably will be a lie at that point. Uh, so yeah, I would say that's the best way to get in touch with me is through my website. All right. And, People can do individual coaching and hypnotherapy with me as well. It's all spelled out there. Fantastic. Meredith, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on The Undiscovered Entrepreneur. I have actually, I have a whole page of lists uh, of notes that I took from uh, from talking to you. So I definitely learned something. Hopefully the Scooby Believers of all there have learned something from you too. And uh, thank you so much for what you do. Thank you so much. This has been a fabulous opportunity. I really appreciate it. And I want to hear your Scooby impression again because you haven't done it at all. Oh. Bro. <laughs> That's awesome. That was one of my favorite shows growing up. Oh, I'll break you. All right. Scoob- Thank you so much, Meredith. I really appreciate it. Scoobalers, make sure you stay tuned for the wrap-up. Alrighty, everybody. Have a great evening. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Meredith. Wow, what a fantastic interview. 
just so much information that went through there. I know it was a little bit long, but it was definitely worth it. Um, some great analogies going through. She had a great story. Maybe we'll see that book someday soon. <laughs> I'm really excited to follow up with her, especially on the, um, on the solo, uh, circles that she was talking about to see if you guys, maybe I can get it on that too. So I think that would be some great contact me if you want to get on these, uh, these solopreneur circles that she's talking about. Okay. All right, now a little bit more about me, but I'm going to try to keep this as short as I can because you've already been listening this long. Um, a little bit about the game show I applied for. That did not work out because they wanted a little bit of money up front uh, to be on the show. Unfortunately, I didn't have that, so I had to uh, decline that. But it's good to know that they wanted me to be on the show. I'm still trying to raise money for getting to PodFest. Please help me if you can. Go to my website. Go to Be, be a Contributor. and. Uh, Really help me out if you can. Um, I am looking for some new coaching clients. I am giving away two free coachings that are two hours long. It's about a $700 value. If you want to take advantage of that, please email me at doingittodaycoaching at gmail.com or reach out to any of my social medias, T-R-E, linktree, backslash DJ Scoob. That's L-A-N-K-T-R dot E-E, backslash DJ Scoob to reach out to me on any of my social medias. All right, also, I was looking to start a new segment in my podcast. Just uh, just a quick thing here. If you are an entrepreneur and you want to help brand new entrepreneurs with some advice, go to tuepodcast.net backslash advice. Give me two or three minutes of your time. Give advice to brand new entrepreneurs that you want to help out. This is a really quick way to get on my podcast and help brand new entrepreneurs. So if you want to do that, please, once again, tuepodcast.net backslash advice and uh, go into my speak pipe there, hit the record button and just give me a couple minutes of advice that you'd give to a brand new entrepreneur. All right. Thank you so much. I just want to say a quick thank you to everybody out there that listens, subscribes. I really appreciate you. I couldn't do this without you. Thank you. And you all have a great evening. All right, everybody, thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>
This is the most popular chord, I think, in music. Pretty sure. Close. Make sure you're looking at your other hand, too. As a worker of two full-time jobs, running a podcast and coaching, every minute counts in my day-to-day. It's hard to be consistent in any of my social medias. And at this point, I cannot hire a social media manager. Pinnacle AI to the rescue! I've been using Pinnacle AI for a couple of weeks now and seen big improvements in my outreach and consistency in all my social medias. Do you want to save time and increase your productivity too? Go to tuepodcast.net backslash AI for more information. Save yourself time and grow your brand. Try it now and see what it can do for you.